News, brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment Service for the Blind, which does include anyone with a visual impairment who is unable to read a newspaper. We have the permission of the Worcester News and we're recording on Thursday, November the 23rd. I'm Elizabeth Hill and this week's team comprises engineer Duncan Wynne, observer Neville Hill and round the table with me is Judith Doherty, Audrey Luxton and Sally Rowe. Clerical work has been done by Carol Hartle and copying will be done by Eileen Wheelwright and Audrey Luxton. May I extend a very warm welcome to any new listeners. We hope you enjoy our offering. You will hear some emergency telephone numbers, what's on in the local theatres, the obituaries, thought for the week, and we'll open our birthday book. And if we don't know yours already, please let us know. We then have the past week's headlines, the sunrise and sunset times. And, oh boy, we don't have much daylight these days, do we? We then have the stories of interest from the past week. This service is quite free to users. It is a registered charity. If, however, anyone does wish to make a donation, it will be very welcome and can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, WYLDS, in Worcester, WR5 1DA. And we do thank those of you who have sent uh, donations. Um, They are very much appreciated. We do like to hear from you. If you have any suggestions, complaints or compliments, you can add a message to your wallet or leave one on the answer phone 01905 767766. But please remember, we're not here every day, so leave your message and if we do need to get back to you, we will. I'm going to hand over to Audrey now for the um, interesting and emergency telephone numbers. Thank you. I will repeat our number here, which is 01905-767766. Worcester Live, where you can book for uh, the theatres, is 01905-611-427. The Malvern Theatres number is 01684-89. 2277. If you want to contact the police in a non emergency, you can ring 101. For Crime Stoppers, you can ring 0800 555 111. The Worcester Hub is 01905 765 765. The Norbury Theatre at Droitwich is 01905 770154. NHS Direct is 111. And the out-of-hours service for medical assistance is 0300-123-3211. And the Infirmary Museum's number is 01905-542-373. Thank you, Audrey. Uh, Now I'm going to ask um, Sally if she'll tell us what's on in the local theatres. Thank you. Well, um, 
a lot going on, a lot of musicals, um, as well as some drama. Starting in Malvern, um, next week, Tuesday the 28th to Saturday the 2nd of December, is Brassed Off, which is based on a true story, a funny and life-affirming tale of community spirit and triumph in the face of adversity. Uh, somebody, Danny's ambition to lead the Grimly Colliery Band. And that's on, on the evenings at 7.30 and Wednesday and Saturday matinees at 2.30. Then also in Malvern on Saturday the 25th at 7.45 is Talon, the Best of Eagles, an Eagles tribute band. Um, and then on Saturday the 2nd of December is Handel's Fireworks with a... Harmonico, Consort and the Baroque Orchestra, a music composed for the coronation of King George II. And then on Thursday the 7th, another co contrast to sensational 60s experience. The most explosive 60s show touring the UK is back in Malvern for one night only. And that's at 7.45. And then... Um, there's a Magic of Motown on Friday the 8th of December. Welcome to the biggest party of the year as the Unstoppable Magic of Motown show. And then on Thursday the 7th, there is a live screening from the National Theatre, uh, London. Roy Kinnear, Rory Kinnear in Young Marks. It's a comedy brought to us by uh, the team who put on One Man, Two Governors which was a big West End hit. And then looking ahead a little bit, on the 9th of December, Saturday the 9th, is Beyond the Barricade. It's a delighted audience throughout the UK and mainland Europe for more than a, a decade. It's an exciting concert with great songs in musical theatre, all performed totally live. So that, and then just looking ahead to Christmas and the pantomime season, if you want to plan ahead for that in Malvern, it's going to be Cinderella, uh, starting on Thursday the 14th of December and going through to Sunday the 7th, various times, quite a lot of um, matinees and evenings. Then moving to Worcester in the Huntingdon Hall, got uh, lots more musical events. Um, Friday the 1st of December, there is the Total Who Show, talking about your generation. Love the Who? Then get ready for two hours of all the hits and the classics. That's at Huntingdon Hall at 7.30. Um, then on Saturday the 2nd of December is Fleetwood Back. It's the world's first and some say finest Fleetwood Mac tribute band. That's at 8 o'clock on the 2nd of December. On Wednesday the 6th of December, also at Huntingdon Hall, at 8 o'clock, is St Agnes Fountain, the band that gives Christmas songs a good if respectful kicking, returns to Huntingdon Hall for a sell-out season, performing rhythmed-up carols and Christmas music. And then also looking ahead to the pantomime in Worcester, at the Swan Theatre this year it's going to be Sleeping Beauty, and that starts on Monday the 4th of December and goes on until Sunday the 7th of January. And they have some shows in the morning and the afternoon and the evening. 
Um, and then just one other thing, uh, in Worcester, the annual Crafted for You exhibition opens this Saturday at the Worcester City Art Gallery and Museum. And it's on show until the 27th of January. Crafted for You showcases the work of 17 of the best craft makers in the Midlands. A sumptuous and colourful range of jewellery, ceramics, glassware, wood, textiles and prints are on show and available to buy. Maggie Wallace, curator, said, Crafted for You is a celebration of craft with so many different makers on show, all so talented and producing beautiful wares. If you're looking for a Christmas gift for someone special or a treat for yourself, it will have what you are looking for. Visitors are welcome to enjoy a festive drink and mince pie between 11am and 1pm on Saturday, December the 9th with 10% off purchases that day. And the money spent in the shop supports the work of the Art Gallery and Museum and enables exciting exhibitions and events to happen. And that's the end of the events coming up. Thank you, Sally. So quite a lot going on. Um, Right, now I know not all of you want to listen to the obituaries, so if you don't, just um, click on to the next uh, section in on your um, memory stick, on your machine. Um, but uh, these are the announcements from the last week. Uh, these funerals will have already taken place. Martin John Rodgman, who passed away November the 3rd, and his funeral service will have taken place November the 23rd. Donations for the County Air Ambulance can be sent to AV Band Funeral Directors. Also, the funeral of Phyllis Mary Sermon, who passed away on November the 2nd. Her funeral service will have taken place on the 24th of November. Uh, donations, if desired, to Alzheimer's Research UK sent to um, Bedwardine Funeral Services, 30 Bromyard Road, Worcester, WR2 5BT, telephone Worcester 748811. Frank Samuel Bowen, who passed away November the 3rd, his funeral service will also have taken place on November 24th. Donations to Rheumatoid Arthritis Research or Dementia UK. Um, there isn't actually any funeral director to send those to, actually, on there. Uh, Enid Julia Prothero passed away November the 3rd. Her funeral service was on November 24th. Donations for the RNLI can be sent to EJ Gumry and Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. And Geoffrey Gardner, who passed away November the 1st, funeral service on the 24th of November. Donations, if desired, for St Richard's Hospice can also be sent to EJ Gumry and Son. Funerals still to take place. John, known as Dutty Dutfield, passed away November the 3rd. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Monday, November the 27th at 10.45am. Donations, if desired, for the Angelman Syndrome Support, Education and Research Trust can be sent to Cooperative Funeral Care. Details as before. Eric, known as Wilf Pickles, passed away November the 3rd. 
Funeral service on Monday, November 27th at Worcester Crematorium at 12.15pm. Donations, if desired, for Alzheimer's Research UK can be left on the collection plate. Sheila Powell, née Wilts, passed away November the 8th. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium, Monday, November 27th at 11.30am. Inquiries to A. Pargeter. She lived in uh, Fernal Heath and Albany Road, but uh, the funeral director is A. Pargeter and Son Limited in Coventry, which is 02476 223343. George Henry Joseph Owen passed away 21st of October, formerly of Quality Cleaners, Hilton Fires and the Commandery Filling Station. His funeral service will also be on Monday, November the 27th at 1 o'clock at Worcester Crematorium. Donations to Cancer Research UK or Cats Protection League, Care of Bedwardine Funeral Services, details as before. Kenneth John Cole passed away November the 11th. Funeral service, Worcester Crematorium, Monday the 27th of November at 9.15am followed by a memorial service at Worcester Baptist Church at 10.15am. Donations for Cancer Research UK can be left on the collection plate or sent to EJ Gumry and Son, details as before. William Trevor, known as Bill Francis, passed away November the 6th. Funeral service is at St Stephen's Church on Tuesday, November 28th at 12.15pm followed by interment at Astwood Cemetery. Donations for St Richard's Hospice can be left on the collection plate or sent to EJ Gummery and Son details as before. Keith Morris passed away November the 11th. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium Tuesday, November the 28th at 12.15pm. Donations to British Heart Foundation be left at the crematorium or sent to Worcester Funeral Service 31C Barbourne Road, Worcester WR11SA Michael John, known as Mick Barnett passed away October 28th Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium Wednesday, November 29th at 10.45am Donations for St Richard's Hospice can be left um, at the service or sent by cheque payable to the charity to Cooperative Funeral Care. And uh, everyone is invited to join the family at the Bull Inn, Droitwich Road, Fernal Heath, after the service. Lionel Matheson Graves passed away November the 5th. Funeral service at St Philip and St James Church Hallow. Wednesday the 29th of November at 11.30am, followed by committal at Worcester Crematorium. Donations for Hello PCC um, can be left on the collection plate or sent to EJ Gummery and Son, details as before. Janet Mary Everton, née Savage, uh, passed away on the 12th of November. A funeral service at Clane's Church on Wednesday, November 29th at 2.15pm, followed by committal at Worcester Crematorium at 3.15pm. All are warmly welcome. Donations, if desired, for the Stroke Association 
can be left on the collection plate or sent to EJ Gummery & Son details as before. John Tom Tucker, no, John Tucker, sorry, known as Tom, passed away November the 8th. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium Thursday the 30th of November at 11.30am. Donations for Kidney Research UK can be left on the plate or sent to EJ Gummery and Son details as before. Dorothy Edna, known as Doss Griffin, passed away November the 8th. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium Friday the 1st of December at 1.45pm. Floral tributes may be sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services or donations for the British Heart Foundation. Eileen Ann Fitzer passed away November the 11th. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium, Monday the 4th of December at 1.45pm. Donations for Cancer Research UK or St Richard's Hospice can be left um, uh, at the crematorium or sent to AV Band Funeral Directors. Brenda Patricia Taylor uh, passed away November 14th. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium Tuesday, November the 5th at 1.45pm. Donations for Dementia UK can be sent to EJ Gummery & Son. And if there is only one um, who has welcomed floral tributes. Um, I don't keep repeating that. Um, I only mention those who um, are requesting donations. Our thoughts and prayers go to all of those who have lost loved ones recently. And the thought for the day is taken from Romans chapter 12 verses 9 to 12. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. And now Judith is going to open the birthday book. Yes, thank you. Uh, two birthdays um, this week. Uh, on the 28th of November, um, it's the birthday of Graham Smith. And on the 29th, Terence Jones. So we wish you both have very happy birthdays. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> and now Audrey is going to... Um, give us the headlines of the stories from this week and sunrise and sunset the headlines don't let me be the next to die on the streets murder probe police chief's drugs gang warning murder suspect in court drugs gang guilty family's heroic rail rescue Sunrise is now at 7.45am and sunset is at 4.06pm. Thank you, Audrey. So the first of the headline stories now is Judith. Thank you. A homeless man with mental health problems says he could be the next rough sleeper found dead after making an attempt on his own life. 
Andy Crow has either been sleeping rough or sofa surfing in Worcester for the last month. The 42-year-old has been staying at a friend's in Warnden, but says he could end up dead like Cardon Banfield, whose decomposing body was found in a tent, unless he gets help. Mr Crow suffers from depression, anxiety, anger management issues and alcohol dependence. He said he made an attempt on his own life three weeks ago, taking an overdose of his medication before attempting to jump off Worcester Bridge. However, a woman grabbed him and prevented him from jumping. Police and an ambulance arrived and he spent the night in A&E at Worcestershire Royal Hospital. He said he was told to leave his partner's home by social services and urgently needed temporary accommodation, adding, I said to them, you're making me homeless and I have mental health issues. They just said, go to the council. He has been staying by the canal but says he hardly sleeps. It's no good, someone with mental health issues being out on the street, he said. Mr Crow has been referred to Swanswell, the National Alcohol and Drug Recovery Charity. He has also been in touch with Fortis and has been given the contact number for the City Council housing team. Police have launched a murder investigation after a man allegedly killed his own father in front of, a shock, in front of shocked witnesses. A 28-year-old man from Worcester was arrested on suspicion of murder after the man died following an incident in Crookbarrow Road, Norton, on Thursday night, the 16th of this month. The family of the man who died has confirmed his identity as 63-year-old Robert Sampson. A witness described seeing a man lying in the road with a massive gash on his forehead and gasping for air. Police said they were called to the scene at 11pm after a report of a man attacking another in the street. On arrival, they found the victim with a serious head injury and a stab wound to the body. The suspect was found nearby and arrested, and a knife was seized. It is understood that the suspect is the son of the man who was killed. Daniel Wheeler, aged 37, of Rollicker Fields, Brockhill Village, Norton, was walking his dogs when he spotted the man lying in the road. He told the Worcester News, I heard loud shouting. I saw a bloke flat out on the road. He was flat out on his back. The guy had a massive gash to his forehead. I saw blood around his groin area. His chest was going up and down and he was gasping for air, but he was motionless. My first thing was to phone an ambulance. Cars had started to stop. There were other people trying to assist as well. A young kid stopped his car and was sat on the guy just trying to speak to him and relay information to me. The ambulance woman on the phone asked me if he was breathing. Initially, it didn't shake me up, but last night I couldn't sleep. I kept thinking about the guy. The factory worker encountered the scene while walking his dogs, Rudy and Barney, after work. He phoned the ambulance service at 11pm and the injured man was taken to hospital where he was pronounced dead at 12.31am 30, in the morning. 
Mr Wheeler, who moved to Norton in 2013, said, Do you hear of murders in Worcester? You don't really. Worcester is a nice area. I'm from Birmingham. I expect it in Birmingham, but not in Worcester. Police cordoned off the road near to St Peter's Garden Centre following the suspected murder. Speaking to the Worcester News, Superintendent Stacey Williams said officers would be patrolling the Norton area to reassure residents. This attack happened in the middle of the street and was witnessed by a number of people, she said. Police were quickly on the scene and arrested a man close by, who is now in police custody. At this stage, we believe the suspect and the victim were known to each other. Our investigations will go on throughout the day and we will appeal for anyone with information to contact us. We will have extra officers in the area throughout the day to provide reassurance to the community. Anyone with information should call 101 and quote incident 893S of November the 16th. Alternately, information can be provided anonymously to the independent charity Crime Stoppers on 0800 555 111 or via www.crimestoppers.uk.org. A police boss is predicted to spike in gun and knife crime in Worcester if drug gangs are allowed to prosper in the city. Superintendent Kevin Purcell warned that major organised crime outfits are trying extent to extend their drug empires into South Worcestershire. His officers launched Operation Blade in September as part of an effort to push back the cross-border gangs. The ongoing operation has already resulted in 21 arrests, closures of, du- of drug houses and seizures of heroin and crack cocaine. So, Superintendent Purcell, police commander for South Worcestershire, warned that the Country Lines gangs often target vulnerable residents as a way to set up in the city. He said Worcester has been identified from the work of my officers and nationally as somewhere organised crime groups are targeting as it's considered to be quite affluent. The cross-country lines to come into Worcester organised crime groups from major cities try to expand their business into smaller locations in a bid to take the market for drugs. The county lines phenomenon has been happening for a number of years. Its relevance in Worcester has risen through the summer. We believe that has happened because organised crime groups talk to one another and will notice where people are gaining profit from and try and move in on that. Superintendent Purcell said his officers realised that gangs from outside the area were operating in the city after an unusual series of violent acts, including stabbings and even the use of a crossbow. He said there were becu- these were peculiar. Often knife crime is used in arguments between people that know each other. It's not used on the street. This was more random and out on the street. The police boss said they traced some of the arrested gang members back to Wo- Birmingham, Wolverhampton, Liverpool, London and elsewhere. He wants to reassure members of the public that the issue is now under control with the police crackdown resulting in a number of successes. Since the start of the operation in September, the team has arrested 21 people from six different county lines, crime groups, he told the Worcester News. Ten people have been charged and remanded for offences such as drug supply and money laundering, and the other 11 remain under investigation.
We have seized large amounts of Class A drugs, including crack cocaine and heroin, 50 mobile phones and £7,000 in cash. Two addresses have been closed through closure orders which prevent anyone returning to them and drugs being dealt from them. The Worcester News previously reported on officers closing drugs dens in Team Road Worcester on Thursday, November the 9th and Shepherd's Place Droitwich on Tuesday, November the 14th. Superintendent Purcell emphasised that the crime group target vulnerable local residents who are either disabled or suffer from drug and alcohol problems. The criminals then exploit them through a process known as cuckooing and set up drug houses in their properties. He encouraged anyone who thinks their relative is a victim of cuckooing to contact the police on 101 or ring Crime Stoppers anonymously on 0800 555 111. The police boss added, we can only do this if we get good reports. Often people will think when they report things nothing is happening, but when we gather the information, then we work to establish what we can do about it. The new police team leading Operation Blade is made up of 15 members of staff. A murder suspect has appeared in court accused of killing his father. Daryl Sampson appeared at Worcester Crown Court accused of murdering his father, Robert Sampson, who was discovered with a head injury and a stab wound. The 28-year-old suspect of Broomhall Cottages, Broomhall, did not enter a plea to the charge of murder when he appeared before Judge Robert Dukes, QC. He appeared in the dock of Court 1 wearing a grey sweater and jogging bottoms, the public gallery packed with onlookers. The defendant was asked if he was Daryl Sampson by the clerk and replied, correct. Richard Atkins, QC, prosecuting, said, he's charged with the murder of his father. Police were called to the incident in Worcester on Thursday evening last week at 11pm. Mr Atkins said Robert Sampson was found to have a stab wound to his left-hand side, which was bleeding profusely. No application was made for bail by solicitor Mark Lister, who said that barrister Adam Weston had already been instructed in the matter. He told the court a psychiatric report had been ordered and said a second post-mortem on Robert Sampson was due to take place on Wednesday. A pre-trial preparation hearing will take place on Thursday, December the 21st. Judge Jukes said, I must remand you in custody. You can go down. Meanwhile, tributes been paid to Mr Sampson, who died in the early hours of Friday morning. The 63-year-old was found on Crookbarrow Road, Norton. Flowers have been left near the scene. Colleagues paid tribute to Mr Sampson and expressed their condolences on the Worcester News Facebook page. Emmy Lou said, Such sad news. He was a lovely next-door neighbour. Hayley MacDonald added, I am so shocked to see that it's you, Bob. I had the short pleasure of working with you for a few days. May you rest in peace. Emma Andrews said, What very sad news to hear. Such a lovely man to work with. R.I.P. Bob. Thinking of your family. 
Doreen Taylor MacDonald said, He had the pleasure of working with you for a short time. Viola Walenska said, I can't believe it. Rob was such a lovely person. I used to chat to him in the gym. My thoughts are with his family. Ricky Hastings said, Shocked. Used to see Rob every day in the gym. Lovely bloke. So sad. Kirsty Ann Smith said, Oh my goodness, I can't believe this happened to Bob. Lovely man. Candy Taylor said, Gutted. This man was such a lovely person. R.I.P. mate. Nicola Long said, One of the nicest people I have met. A drugs gang has been found guilty of conspiring to bring cocaine worth thousands of pounds into Worcester from Liverpool. A jury of seven women and five men took two hours and eight minutes to unanimously convict all eight defendants of conspiracy to supply Class A drugs. The jury retired on Monday afternoon and returned to deliver their verdicts at Worcester Crown Court before Judge Robert Jukes, QC. The eight convicted of the cocaine conspiracy are Lee Bryant, aged 49, of Selborne Road West, Barbon, David Warren, aged 41, of Grasmere Drive, Warnden, Ashley James, aged 41, of Grasmere Drive, Warnden, um, sorry, I think I've said that twice. Ashley James, aged 31, of Sheringham Close, Worcester. Deborah Crowther, aged 50, of Hollymount Road, Toledine. Todd Porter, aged 31. And Tiffany Porter, aged 21, also of Hollymount Road, Toledine. James Jones, aged 42, of Toledine Road. And Liam Pearson, aged 51, of Aylton Road, Liverpool. They all denied conspiracy to supply cocaine between September the 6th, 2011 uh, and October the 6th, 2015 dur during the trial which began in early October. Jurors also found Ashley James and his 25-year-old partner Elizabeth Cottle both of Sheringham, Sherrington Close, guilty of concealing criminal property after the pair splashed out on foreign holidays, luxury London hotel stays, jewellery, a car on hire purchase, dental work for James and a designer coat using the proceeds of their co cocaine dealing. Ashley James was found not guilty of perverting the course of justice Police bugged Ashley James's Renault Kangoo van and carried out co covert surveillance. Police moved in to arrest dealers who worked under the main conspirators, gathered forensic evidence such as fingerprints and confiscated mobile phones, including a so-called dirty phone hidden in a hedge by Ashley James. Another dirty phone was seized when the courier, Liam Pearson, was boxed in by police, uh, driving north on the M6 after dropping off the drugs in Worcester and picking up the cash. Pearson was found with nearly £30,000 in cash and a dirty phone, 
after he met with Bryant at his home in Selborne Road West, Barbon, in Worcester. Bryant said he'd been merely helping a lost scouser, Pearson, and Pearson said the same. Pearson claimed he was collecting money from the sale of cars on behalf of a man named John Moorcroft, who has never been traced, and that previous trips to Worcester had been to meet his brother and collect family heirlooms following the death of his mother. Police arrested Maurice James on a train from Worcester to Liverpool with £52,000 in cash. Warren, who worked at Worcester Recycling Centre, claimed his trips to Liverpool were to visit the family, watch boxing matches, including his nephew's professional debut, and to visit gyms where he could get better sparring partners for heavyweight boxer Ashley James. Meanwhile, Cottle and her partner Ashley James were described as John Butterfield QC as living it large on the proceeds of cocaine dealing. The couple went on holidays to New York, Barbados, Los Angeles and Las, Ve- and Las Vegas and stayed in luxury hotels in London. She owned a Burberry coat bought by James as a gift from Selfridges for £1,090. A two £2,875 quartz kitchen worktop was installed at the house she shared with James in Sherrington Close. The holiday in Los Angeles and Las Vegas cost £5,145, while Barbados cost £6,374, £6,000 of which was paid in cash. The New York holiday cost £2,735 and again James paid in cash. Cottle, who worked at Worcester Bosch for minimum wage and at nightclub Bushwhackers, earned £16,635 a year and James, a plumber and doorman, earned 26000 giving them a combined income of £42,635. Yet, Cottle admitted to the court she stayed at the London Marble, March, Marble Arch Hotel and the Shangri-La Hotel at the Shard in 2014. Mr Butterfield said, You were burning through money you didn't have in any legitimate way. These are eye-watering sums. You were living it large in, a very, in every sphere. Mr. Butter, Mr. Butterfield argued that the van recordings were effectively confessions to the conspiracy and that Ashley James, James Jones and Todd Porter were up, up to their necks in organising the selling of drugs. And the final headline story this week. A mother has revealed how heroic rail passengers rescued a woman in a mobility scooter from falling onto railway tracks. Linda Andrews, aged 64, and her daughter Philippa Conroy, 37, of Droitwich, rushed to help a woman whose mobility scooter reversed out of the lift at Worcester Forget Street Station and was left dangling over the tracks. They believe they rescued the woman minutes before a train sped through the station. 
A man on the other side of the platform risked his life by leaping onto the tracks to help lift the woman away from the edge of the platform. Mrs Andrews said, A woman on her mobility scooter reversed out of the lift, but then kept on going. She was shouting for help. Me and my daughter rushed to help stop her going over the tracks. If we had not been there, she would have gone over. Her scooter was halfway over the tracks. A man leapt over from the other side and helped her back onto the platform. He risked his life. He was probably in his 50s or maybe 60s. He lifted her from on the tracks as she was halfway over and we lifted her from the platform. A young man in his late teens or early 20s also helped and a lady probably in her 40s. Not long afterwards, a train came along, so he could have been killed. I'm not sure exactly how long after, as it all happened so quickly. Without our help, she would have certainly fallen onto the tracks. There were no guards or staff anywhere to be seen. There needs to be more guards and staff at the station in case something like this happens again. I thought it was disgusting that no guards or porters came to help. There were lots of people sitting down who didn't try to help either. I'd like to th I would like to thank the people who did help. We could not have done it without you. The rescue happened at about 2pm on Tuesday. A London Midland spokesman said it had a member of staff on duty dealing with another passenger, so did not see the incident. The spokesman said the member of staff offered his assistance after seeing the woman affected but she opted to continue her journey. So, who's the woman who was rescued by the couple? If you know, call Sebastian Richards on 01905 742251. And now we're going to um, have a roundup of sport, and Judith is going to kick off. Thank you. <laughs> Suddenly, life at Six Ways looks a lot rosier. After a Bryce Heem hat trick guided Worcester Warriors to a long-awaited win in the Aviva Premiership. The Kiwi Flyers' final try at the death sparked wild celebrations from his teammates as they had not only ended a run of seven straight league losses, but also moved Warriors off the bottom. However, Heem should not take all the credit for this maximum point success as this was as complete a team performance as you could get. From 1 to 15 and contributions from the bench, Warriors proved too strong for Northampton Saints who finished with 14 men after Rob Horn received a second yellow card in the last play. There is no doubt fit-again duo Ryan Mills and Francois Ugard played a huge part in the victory. But the back three of Josh, Adams, Chris Pennell and Heem did most of the damage with ball in hand, while Will Spencer led the host's forward charge. Spencer was belligerent in the way he repeatedly smashed away at Saints' defence and was backed up superbly by back rowers Alan uh, um, Alafoti Silvia or, or, or Silva, um, Sam Lewis and Gerrit van Jan van Veltz. Uh, 
As with any performance, though, there will be areas to improve on and Director of Rugby Gary Gold will be disappointed with his side's kicking display as Jono Lance only landed three of his six attempts at goal. He will also be frustrated with the way his team started the game as Saints opened the scoring courtesy of a fifth-minute Stephen Myler penalty. Northampton had the edge, but were forced into a change when Luther Burrell had to leave the field with a head injury. This disruption gave Worcester a foothold in the game as Lance levelled the scores before they scored their first try. Mills slipped through and fed Heem, who touched down. Lance missed the conversion, but Worcester received a further boost on the half-hour mark. Horn was sin-binned for a high tackle on Pennell, and Warriors made their numerical advantage count. After mounting heavy pressure with a series of scrums, Heem smashed his way through to score, which Lance converted. After Myler's long-range penalty fell short, Warriors went in at half-time, leading 15-3, and they soon increased their advantage. Lance struck another three-pointer before Adams sprinted away down the left, combined brilliantly with Pennell, and then dived over in the corner. The conversion was missed by Lance, but Warriors were in control as they led 23-3. However, Northampton reduced their deficit on 53 minutes when Ben Foden eased over after being found in space out wide. After Lance went wayward from the tee, Warriors squandered a great chance as Pennell broke only to knock the ball on as he tried to put in Adams. With three minutes to go, the visitors gave themselves another lifeline as Jamie Gibson scored under the posts and Myler converted. But Worcester made sure they had the final say. After the forwards drove Saints back, Heem gathered Jackson... Wilson's pass and powered over. To add to Saints' woes, Horn was sent off following a tip tackle on Lance before the try was given <clears throat> by the TMO and Pennell added the extras. Now a cricket story. Worcestershire chairman Stephen Taylor is delighted with the high standard and quality of applicants for the post of CEO, which is Chief Executive Officer at Blackfinch New York New Road New Road I nearly said New York sorry Taylor revealed more than a hundred people have applied for the post which will become vacant after current CEO Tom Scott announced in September he is to stand down the first round of interviews is currently underway after a recruitment agency recommended suitable candidates from the applicants for the key post Stephen Taylor, County Vice Chairman Tim Curtis, lawyer Andrew Manning-Cox and Worcestershire Audit Chairman Fanos Hera form the interview panel. Once the first round of interviews have been conducted, a shortlist will be drawn up and a second set of interviews will be staged next month. It is hoped to announce the name of the new CEO by the end of the year. Taylor said, I've been really pleased with the high standard and the quality of the applicants. We received over 100 applicants. 
there are a few more candidates to see before we compete the first round of interviews. There will be a short list drawn up and then a further round of interviews will take place next month and we are aiming to announce the new CEO by the end of the year. Scott is remaining in the CEO role which he, in, in which he replaced David Leatherdale early last year until the end of next month. Steve Rhodes is looking forward to see how promising Worcestershire Pace duo Dylan Pennington and Adam Finch react under pressure as part of the Young Lions squad this winter. The county's director of cricket is to take charge of the Young Lions ahead of January's ICC Under-19 World Cup in New Zealand. Finch has played two one-day internationals for the under-19s against India during the summer, but it is the first opportunity for Pennington. Rhodes said they are both giants six foot five inches, both useful prospects with the ball, and certainly Dylan has an ability with the bat as well. It will be a great opportunity for me to enhance the relationship and see how they go under some pressure situations. Finchie played a couple of times against India. He didn't get a great deal of bowling, but is a year older now and will have more responsibility and be ready to take that. And now to some powerlifting. Worcester powerlifter David Probert finished his career on the highest note after being crowned a world champion. The 41-year-old won at the World Drug-Free Powerlifting Full Power Championships in Rockland near Boston, USA, after previously claiming the British title and now plans to retire. Probert, who trains at Prime Fitness Gym in Westbury Street, said, I went knowing it was my last event and I would retire after. I squatted 145 kilograms, benched 95 kilograms, but sadly injured my elbow and then went on to a deadlift 190 kilograms, all at 66.3 kilogram body weight in the 67.5 kilogram Masters 1 class. I came out of retirement for one more crack at the major titles I had never won but had come so close to before. In 12 months, I've won two British qualifiers, one British title and now a world title. It's been a massive achievement for myself just to keep going. Thanks to Katie Fonz at PS Sports Therapy, who has kept my body in good condition, to Prime Fitness for all the support, and to my good friend and coach, David Lowe, who has been there with me through all the highs and lows during my wonderful career. He's kept me pushing me, he's kept pushing me forward to achieve the ultimate accolade. And finally, for the sports roundup, we have um, a report um, from Worcester City Football Club. Chairman Anthony Hampson insists Worcester City has the means to fund its Parsonage Way Stadium project and remains on track to move in for the 2019-2020 season. The club is set to outline proposals for the site next month but remains under pressure from Worcester City Supporters Trust to deliver details of its financial position beforehand. Trust Secretary Rob Crean called on city chiefs to prioritise an annual general meeting, questioned whether the project could be funded and how long the club could continue. The last set of published accounts revealed City's net 
worth up to May 2016 had dropped to £496,714 on the back of more than £150,000 worth of losses in the previous 12 months. City have since opted to drop three levels in a bid to cut costs, with Hampson reporting vastly reduced losses last month. In response to Crean's questions, Hampson politely declined to reveal exact figures, but was adamant the club had the clout to secure a modest stadium in Worcester, with the scope for better facilities dependent on access to grants. Hampson added that a second public consultation had been scheduled for February, with the planning process due to start in June. We are waiting to see what comes from Parsonage Way, said Crean. Nothing has been released to the Trust, the fans or the shareholders, which is unusual. When big decisions are made, shareholders are normally consulted first, and I'm not quite sure why that hasn't happened. We are all in the dark, but looking forward to seeing what plans the club reveals in December. Hopefully an AGM will be announced at the same time to see what the finances are looking like. I don't think you can have one without the other. The most important thing is putting this to shareholders first, because they need to know what money the club has left. If the money is going to run out next year, which Anthony has been quoted as saying in the past, then what is the point in Parsonage Way? How much money is left and how much do we have to raise? Let's be open, honest and transparent. Let's see what the club's vision for the future is and then put it to shareholders so we can all get behind it. We need some solid answers. Can we survive long enough to build it? How can we trust them if they're not open? Hampson said, We would not be pursuing this if we didn't feel we could back it up with finance. It will need the people who regard themselves as supporters to back the club back the board and back the project. We are getting prices in for the construction at the moment and the club can afford the first phase of development, sufficient for the level of football we operate at now and the level above from its existing situation. Should grants come through, our partnership with the Worcestershire FA, then further scope would be considered. That scope will be in the planning application so that elbow room will be there to move further up the leagues in the foreseeable future. A date for the club's initial consultation is expected to be announced imminently. Invitations are being sent out to Warnden Parish Council and parishioners, and that extends to anyone else interested in the project, said Humpson. We will be taking views, listening to what people have to say, and making amendments accordingly. From there, we will have a further public consultation in February, with a view to taking the project to planning in June. Asked whether the club is still working to its 2019-2020 move-in target, Hampson replied, provided we can stick to those timescales without disruption, yes. The Trust last week confirmed it had lodged an appeal with the planning inspectorate over the rejected stadium proposal for Purdiswell a project the club has distanced itself from. The application was always the first bit, said Crean. We have not asked for the land or for money, 
We want to get the planning through first. Timescales will be extended for the, the appeal, but we're still on track. Hampson said Worcester City Council owned the land at Parsonage Way and are highly supportive of us going there. That support is not there for Purdiswell. We have more chance of securing the club's future through the project at Parsonage Way than we would have by going for Purdiswell. Well, I think it's watch this space with all of that, isn't it? And now we have a roundup of um, we have three little bits of news each. So uh, I'm handing over to Judith. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you. Worcestershire County Cricket Club will stage its annual memorabilia market in the Chestnut Marquee on Bank Holiday Monday, uh, August the twenty eighth next year. <laughs> The market will take place on the opening day of the Specsavers County Championship Clash with Gloucestershire at New Road. The Worcestershire Cricket Society and Worcestershire Supporters Association are amongst those to have each taken out a table. The Supporters Association is hoping to auction off at least some of the memorabilia legacy generously left to them by their late chairman, <coughs> Ken Mills. For the Cricket Society, it is a chance to spread the word about their various <coughs> events and what they are about will be available at the market. There are still some tables available. It costs just £20 to hire a table for the day. And if you have any sporting memorabilia, you would like to sell. Details are available from Richard Brown, B-R-O-W-N, by emailing rbrown at the erswickschool.co.uk. That's um, the, and then it's U-R-S-W-I-C-K school, all one word, dot co dot uk or by phoning O seven nine five eight seven four seven four one O. Secondly uh, a memories tour. Anglo Spanish guitarist Keith Hyatt is returning to Worcestershire with two recitals as part of his Memories of Your Tour. He will be playing at St Nicholas Church Barn, Warnden, on Saturday, September the 2nd, again next year. After that, he will be at West Malvern Village Hall on Friday, September the 15th. He will not only be playing tunes from his new recording, Memories of You, but also pieces from his four previous collections, both concerts start at 7.30pm and tickets, which cost £7, will be available on the door or from that's ents24.com, ents24.com. And thirdly, a post office in Worcester will close for more than two weeks for urgent floor repairs. Cherry Orchard Post Office in Bath Road will shut for the work at Mid-Counties Cooperative, where the branch is based. It closed 
on Tuesday, that is this year, this time, at 10pm, and is due to reopen on Thursday, December the 7th, 2017, at 9am. During this time, customers are asked to use St Peter's Post Office, London Road Post Office and Worcester Post Office. A woman has been arrested on suspicion of theft after a number of items went missing from graves in Worcester. Items, including a precious memento of a Yorkshire terrier, were stolen from the grave of Neville Cook at Astwood Cemetery. A number of other items with sentimental value were also taken from other graves at the cemetery and Worcester Crematorium at the beginning of October this year. A 57-year-old woman from Worcester was arrested on suspicion of theft in relation to the disappearance of the items and she has now been released under investigation. A number of items have been seized. Anyone with information call West Mercy Police on 101, quoting 581S of October the 3rd, 2017. Next one. Uh, flu, free flu vaccinations are available for people who have a learning disability. Those with a learning disability can be more susceptible to the effects of flu and are increased at increased risk of developing complications such as bronchitis or pneumonia. Anyone with a learning disability is entitled to receive a free flu vaccination, as are their carers. The vaccine offers the best level of protection from the flu virus, and it is important to have the jab every year, especially as the flu virus strain changes every year. Anyone who is defined as being in an at-risk group should contact their surgery and arrange an appointment to have their vaccine. Dr. Ardiana Gini, uh, Screening and Immunizations Lead, said, Flu is a very unpleasant illness. Its symptoms can be miserable for many of us, but it can lead to more serious complications for those who fall within certain clinical at-risk groups. I would like to urge anyone in this group to make sure they get the flu vaccine as soon as possible. Contact your GP surgery to arrange the vaccine. And thirdly, a man in his 20s was punched in the face while travelling on a bus in Worcester. The attack happened on the number 35 near Cranham Drive. The assailant is believed to have left with a woman and boarded another number 35 bus heading towards town. The assault took place on Monday, November the 13th at 5.20pm and officers have identified a number of witnesses who are on the bus and are appealing for them to make contact with the investigating officer PC 21000 Hines by calling 101, quoting incident number 6632S of November the 18th. Information can also be given anonymously to the independent charity Crime Stoppers. Phone Crime Stoppers on 0800 555 or go online to crimestoppers.uk.org. <laughs> Thanks, Pete.
saying residents who could previously unlock Worcester's history for free are now faced with a fee. The commandery in Sidbury used to be free for all taxpaying residents in the city. But following the Grade 1 listed building's £260,000 revamp, which included a new interactive civil war experience that opened earlier this year, residents face a £5 annual charge. Helen Large, marketing manager at Museums Worcestershire, said, We're now asking for an annual fee for residents of £5, about the cost of two cappuccinos. Residents can visit all year and come to all the events, including the living history and Christmas events. Non-residents coming from outside the city pay £5.95 each time they visit. The money supports the work of the commandery, helping us to put on events, fund extra staff for these events and support the service. The fee was added in July this year. Um, on the board, on the, a new non-executive director has joined the board of Worcestershire Acute Hospital NHS Trust. Steve Williams, a chartered accountant who lives in Malvern, has a background in financial and operational management. The trust chairman said, I am delighted to announce Steve's appointment. I know he will bring invaluable experience and insight to the board and my colleagues and I are looking forward to working with him. Mr Williams' previous roles, including Director of Finance for Pricewaterhouse Management Consultants, Finance Director for Atos UK and Chief Operating Officer, Chief Financial Officer for international law firm Maples and Calder. He is currently a Governor at Warwickshire College Group as well as a volunteer mentor for Sported, a charity which provides sport for development programmes to disadvantaged young people. He is also director of In Unity, a not-for-profit organisation which seeks to engage with and empower disadvantaged young people. For the role, Mr Williams is entitled to £6,157 a year. And a new book featuring a treasure trove of images of the city as you've never seen it before was launched yesterday. Former journalist turned author Bob Blandford has created a unique collection of 400 photos from Victorian Worcester, digitally enhanced and superimposed into precisely the same scenes today. Bob Backenhoff's Worcester Pubs, Then and Now, Volume 3, Bob's fourth book, includes 250,000 words, was launched at the, Ch the Chestnut Inn. It is also available as a companion to his previous bestsellers, Volumes 1 and 2, The Spike, The Lives... The Crimes and Violent Times of Worcester City Police at the Hive and Waterstones. And for the final trio of news in briefs, we have um, a story about a burst pipe which caused traffic chaos in the city. It was located beneath busy Foggett Street and led to city centre congestion on Monday, with the road being closed from 7pm for repairs. Motorists were told to follow diversions, although, as the Worcester News went to print, it was unclear when the road would be reopened or which way traffic would be diverted. John Fraser, head of highways at Worcestershire County Council, said that the road would be reopened by um, Tuesday morning, even if the work had not been com uh, completed. Most Forget Street buses were diverted via St Mary's Street and Sunson Walk on Monday, and temporary traffic lights installed while the work was completed. 
No businesses or householders lost their water supply as a result of the burst. A Severn Trent spokesman apologised for the inconvenience being caused. Well, you may have been caught up with that, so now you know what it was all about. Now, um, a council will hold regular surgery sessions for residents to raise any issues they have. After successful trial surgeries in September, St Peter's Parish Council will hold bi-monthly surgeries for residents to speak to their councillors individually. The next surgery will be held between 6.30 and p.m. and 7.15 p.m. on Monday, November the 27th in the Parish Council office within St Peter's Village Hall, St Peter's Drive. At least one councillor and the parish clerk will be present to discuss any topics, issues or concerns within the remit of the parish council. Now, here's a bit of fun. A care home in Worcester has organised a James Bond-themed evening to help raise funds for a bicycle rickshaw for residents. The first high-profile event to help fund the £6,500 vehicle, also known as a trishaw, is being held at the home, Fernhill House in Fernhill Heath, on Friday, December the 15th at 7pm, and is open to friends and families of the residents and anyone who fancies a fun evening. With a Casino Royale theme, the evening will see guests enjoy a three-course meal with wine in the bistro, prepared by the home's award-winning chef. Gambling chips are included in the £25 price, and the winner at the end of the evening will walk off with a luxury hamper. Home manager Pete Mandelberg said, We'd love to get out and about locally even more, and, having heard about the popularity of trishaws for older people in other countries, wanted to give it a whirl ourselves. Residents can sit in the sidecar with blankets in the inclement weather and be cycled around the grounds or into the village for a jaunt. Hey boy, what's fun? Book a place. Book us a place, please. And I will just slide in that next weekend, November the 30th until the 3rd of December, it's the Victorian Christmas Fair. Hurrah, Christmas must be on its way. Now, finally, round up of the rest of the news. Thank you, right. Judith. Okay. A Chinese university has been working with the University of Worcester to learn about its inclusive ethos. Beijing Sports University recently hosted the first International Inclusive Sport Education Symposium delivered in partnership with the University of Worcester, which has become known as a world leader in the field of inclusive sport and educational development. Beijing Sports University is one of the world's most successful universities in producing Olympic and Paralympic gold medalists. The main focus of the conference was on developing inclusive practice when teaching children with impairments. Mike Donovan, Deputy Pro Vice-Chancellor and Head of the Institute of Sport and Exercise Science at the University of Worcester said, We have been working with Beijing Sports University for eight years and while they are probably one of the most successful sports universities in the world, in terms of producing gold medalists,
They also share our belief that everyone has the right to take part in sport. At the University of Worcester, we have a very strong ethos of inclusion in all that we do and currently have over 300 students who engage in disability sport courses or modules within their degrees. We decided that we could make a global impact in terms of educating sports teachers and coaches to be more inclusive in their practice and the symposium was certainly a very significant first step. At the event, the University of Worcester also launched its new book, The Worcester Way, aimed at sharing good practice and principles for inclusive practice with PE teachers, students and coaches from around the world. A night shelter for rough sleepers is ready to open in Worcester if freezing temperatures arrive over the winter months. Worcester City Council homeless contractor CCP and Mags Day Centre, based in the city centre, have joined forces to make sure the shelter can be up and running if the weather hits zero degrees or snow falls. Based at Mags in Deansway, the night shelter will have space for up to 18 rough sleepers who will be given sleeping bags, hot drinks, food and advice on longer-term housing options. Ben Bradley, Worcester City Council's Single Homelessness Pathways Officer, said, With winter around the corner, we know it's going to get tougher for anyone who sleeps rough on Worcester streets. Lives can be put at risk, so we've worked hard with our partners to, to agree a severe weather emergency protocol which has to have initials, of course, SWEP. That means we'll be operating the night shelter the moment the temperatures hit freezing. CCP staff will be keeping a close eye on the weather forecast over the coming months. And when the freezing temperature or snow are predicted, they will head out onto the streets to find rough, shelter, rough sleepers and encourage them to he head to the shelter at Magazine Deansway. CCP operates across Worcestershire and will arrange transport to bring rough sleepers from other parts of the county to the night shelter. Ross Webber, CCP's Homeless Prevention Engagement Scheme officer, said, when, when freezing temperatures arrive, the work we do is life-saving. If we get 10 people in, potentially we have saved 10 lives. We'll have the night shelter open from 9.30pm and we'll have tea, coffee, sugar and cup of soups and other provisions ready. We have sleeping bags for up to 18 people and staff on hand all night to check on the welfare of the rough sleepers. Our main objective is to get people off the streets permanently so in the morning we will talk to them about their housing options and other services that can help them. If demand for the night shelter is higher than the 18 places available, the City Council will arrange temporary bed and breakfast accommodation elsewhere. Mel Kirk, Chief Executive of MAG, said, We are proud to host the SWEP again this year. This is an essential provision that can help save lives of people on the streets. A new unit opened on Monday at Worcester Royal Hospital to help staff cope better with the extra pressure of the winter period. 
The Ambulatory Emergency Care Unit has been created with £920,000 of extra government funding to help the hospital create extra capacity. This work has been carried out ahead of the anticipated winter spike when more people visit hospital for urgent care. It will create extra space, reducing the need for patients to wait in corridors for care or while they wait to be discharged. West Worcestershire's MP Harriet Baldwin was given a tour of the new facility ahead of the unit's opening and chatted to staff and patients. She said the government recognises that most hospitals face extra pressures during the winter time and with an increasingly ageing population, more and more people are in need of care as a result of falls or illness during cold weather. I supported the bid for nearly £1 million of extra funding and it is helpful to see how this money is being spent to aid capacity. Having chatted both to staff and patients, I'm keen to report that people are feeling much more positive about the local NHS and there is a strong feeling of optimism. It is essential that we share the message that patients should really only visit accident and emergency when urgent care is needed and to use GPs or minor injuries units to get treatment whenever possible. This extra space is great, but when injury or illness strikes, we all need to do a little more to make the right choices this winter and help make A&E less busy for all. Last month, the Chief Executive of Worcestershire Acute Hospitals NHS Trust, Michelle Mackay, pledged to stop the practice of caring for patients on trolleys at a meeting of the Health Overview and Scrutiny Committee at County Hall in Worcester. As previously reported in the Worcester News, one patient died from a cardiac arrest after 35 hours of waiting in a corridor at WRH last winter. The trust remains in special measures, having been rated inadequate by the Health and Social Care Regulator, the Care Quality Commission, which has demanded improvements. And another Christmas story. A care home in Worcester is inviting anyone who would normally dine alone on Christmas Day to join their residents for lunch. Latimer Court in Darwin Avenue will open its doors to elderly people from the community for Christmas lunch on December the 25th to help tackle loneliness. The care home will be decked out in cheerful decorations and its dining rooms and lounges full of festive cheer. Guests will be treated to a traditional Christmas lunch and refreshments in the dining rooms and they will have a chance to chat to the home's staff, residents and enjoy the Christmas atmosphere and merriment. Lisa Bradley, General Manager at Latimer Court, said We don't want the elderly in our community to dine alone this Christmas and we are delighted to be able to offer this service. Anyone interested in joining us will need to book as places are limited. You'll need to reserve your place at the Latimer Court Christmas lunch table. The day is always a great success and we're keen to do more to help those who feel lonely or cut off from the rest of the community. Latimer Court is an 80-bed home which provides residential, nursing and dementia care services. The Don't Dine Alone initiative was launched by Barchester Healthcare Group, which runs Latimer Court, to reach out to isolated or vulnerable members of the community. And you can book your place by ringing Karen Layden on 01905 363270. A new bed and breakfast and tea room could be coming to Worcester. 
an idea has been put forward to transform a former volunteer centre in the tithing in a plan that has been described as a great for tourism. The Worcester Volunteer Centre was forced to close due to lack of funding earlier this year. The centre matched up volunteers with worthy causes around Worcester, but shut after getting into financial difficulty following cuts in its funding. <clears throat> following this, in April, Worcester Community Action, a new charity doing the same work as the centre, opened at the Angel Centre in Angel Place. <clears throat> the application for the bed and breakfast and tea room, which was submitted to the City Council's website on Saturday, November the 11th, will create five jobs, two full-time and three part-time. Agent Steve Graybanks said, Hopefully it will be a big improvement. It will allow visitors to come and stay the night and enjoy the tea room by having a breakfast. It should be great for tourism in the area. Business travellers and people visiting the city will be able to stay in a much-needed accommodation in the heart of the city. He added that the shop front will be changed and that there will be separate access to the rooms from the cafe access. Mike Stevenson, Divisional Crime Risk Manager at Worcester Police Station in Castle Street, commented on the application. He wrote, With regard to this application... Within the design and access statement, security has clearly been considered. I have no objections. A consultation started on November the 11th and residents will have until Wednesday, November the 29th to comment on the application. A decision on the application will be made on Monday, January the 1st. And finally, appropriate action will be taken following an investigation into a crash which saw a marked patrol car, this is a police car, damaged a, damage a statue commemorating Worcester's famed male impersonator, Vesta Tilly, police have said. The sculpture in Corn Market, which features a bronze cast and a three-dimensional figure, was damaged at about midnight on Saturday, November the 11th. Police said the car was responding to an incident at the time of the crash. No other vehicles were involved and there were no reported injuries. Chief Inspector James Baker of West Mercia Police said all collisions involving a police vehicle are required to be attended by a police supervisor who will investigate the circumstances and take appropriate action. The investigation will be scrutinised and it is important to determine all the factors involved before making a decision on resolution of the matter. Worcestershire County Council said it was examining CCTV footage and the statue has been removed to assess the damage but will be reinstalled as soon as repairs are complete. A spokesman added the cost of the damage was unknown but the council would be claiming on police insurance. Mm. Born in Worcester in 1864, Vesta Tilly, who became one of the most famous male impersonators of her era, had a career lasting more than three decades as she became a star in both Britain and the United States. She died in London aged 88 on September the 16th, 1952. The statue was installed in September last year and marked the final stages of a half million pounds county council revamp of the city's historic corn market. 
The plinth on which the figure sits includes panels which reference the lives of each character portrayed. And that is our final story. Now then, we have some volunteer stories here just to wind up with. Hugh Thomas and Janet Weaver, I'm reliably informed, are getting married in December. And so we wish them all the very best in their new life together and every congratulations from us all. We are missing Brian Wheelwright this evening as he is poorly and so we do send him get well wishes via his wife Eileen who has very kindly brought two readers here this evening to um, to read for you t this week. And so we do thank Eileen who will also be um, doing the copying with Audrey tomorrow. Uh, thanks to Duncan Wynne and Neville Hill who have been jointly engineering this evening and as this is our last recording for 2017 may I sign off wishing you all a very happy Christmas and happy and healthy and rewarding new year. Goodbye from all of us. It's bye-bye. Bye-bye.